This is episode number 225 with Tim Story. The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? I just wanted to quickly remind you that if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Mine is Himalaya. For those of you that have not heard of Himalaya, it's an epic brand new podcast app which has so many awesome and unique features no other podcast app has, like episode and channel playlists. It's free, so easy to find new shows, and is really user-friendly. So head on over to the app or Google Play Store to download it today. Don't forget to follow me once you're done so that you can listen to my episodes one day earlier than they're usually released. Pretty cool, huh? episode is brought to you by Blooms the Chemist. Now, did you know that 1.7 million Australians have diabetes and over half a million Australians have undiagnosed type 2 diabetes? Now, I believe it's so important to keep on top of your health and to have the data. So your local Blooms the Chemist is offering a blood glucose screening service. It's free, quick, and you'll have the results in 60 seconds. Having this data is so valuable to anyone newly diagnosed with diabetes or those at risk of developing type 2 diabetes. To get the tests, all you need to do is head to your closest Blooms The Chemist. The pharmacist will do a quick finger prick test and discuss your results with you. You'll also get a copy of the results and supporting information for you to take to your holistic health practitioner. How easy is that? Story is an acclaimed author, speaker, and life coach, helping people create the future they desire. He has inspired people from all walks of life, from entertainment legends to professional athletes, from executives to deprived children throughout the world. He uses foundational principles and humor to get honest with people so they can overcome the obstacles that are holding them back. He has traveled to 75 countries and spoken to millions of people, and he often meets privately to counsel high-profile people and leaders in various industries such as Quincy Jones, Stevie Wonder, Robert Downey Jr., and Kanye West, plus so many more. That's a pretty impressive list, huh? He has also partnered with phenomenal organizations to spread love and hope. And he was a featured guest on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, Steve Harvey TV, Keep the Faith Radio, and many more. He has also authored multiple books, with the most recent, Come Back and Beyond, which was a top seller on Amazon. And in today's episode, we chat about his story from losing his dad in a car accident to where he is today and how he got into the personal development world. 
We also talk about his three-step comeback from your setback process. This is awesome. How he helped Robert Downey Jr. plus many other celebrities. How he has come back from his own personal setbacks. The power of having a strong why attached to your goals. Why you need to fail forward. How he came back from his divorce. The truth about judgment and forgiveness. How to let go of guilt, shame, fear, resentment and resistance to move toward your dream life how to be present, what is a good idea versus a God idea, the powerful plow, plant, water and harvest concept to manifest anything you want in your life, the keys to success, what he's working on within himself at the moment, plus so much more. And for everything that Tim and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 225. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this beautiful five-star review comes from Mac Hutchins, and it's titled Amazing and Inspiring. And Mac says, I love Melissa's podcast. She is super intelligent and inspiring. She encourages people to become the best version of themselves through a spiritual and holistic health journey. She's funny, positive, and unapologetic. If you're looking to find your truth and begin a journey to a happier and healthier lifestyle, this podcast is for you. Thank you so much, Mac. That is so beautiful. I'm so grateful. And I think it's hilarious that you think I'm funny. I've, yeah, I didn't think I was funny, but yeah, at least you think I'm funny, and that's all that matters. So thank you for that review. And don't forget that if you want to be the review of the week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me that review right now. I would be so grateful. And you could be the review of the week for next week. Who knows? It might be you. And now let's get started. Let's dive in. Let's bring on the one and only Tim Story. Welcome to the show, Tim. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Yes, I had the usual, which is oatmeal. I'm an oatmeal guy. Yum. And what do you have with your oats? I like oatmeal and I like honey and I have hot tea because I talk a lot for my job and tea helps my throat. Oh, yum. Yum, yum, yum. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us your story and how you got to where you are today doing the wonderful work that you now do? Like, how did this all unfold for you? So when I was a young guy, I was raised in a place called Compton, California. So for those that are not familiar, it's in uh, Los Angeles and it's a tougher area of Los Angeles. You know, there's been a movie called Straight Outta Compton. That's where Serena and Venus Williams are from, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar. So that is the culture that I'm from. And uh, we had seven people in a two-bedroom apartment, so very cramped environment. But at the same time, a lot of humor, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. And for some reason, we were dreaming a lot of doing big things from that cramped little space. 
So I've been fortunate enough, Melissa, to mainly see life through the eyes of humor and possibility, even since I was younger. Oh, beautiful. And then how did you get into doing this personal development work? Like, how did that unfold? When I was in the third grade, I had a teacher named Mrs. Sullivan. In the fourth grade, Mrs. Cook. In the fifth grade, Mr. Probert. And the reason I talk about these teachers is because they really helped change my life. And they saw that I had something to me as far as I was curious. I was very interested in things outside of just school. And they really began to mentor me about the things of life by challenging me with my homework and having extra assignments. So one of the books that I read was a book about the life of a lady who helped orphans named Mother Teresa. And you're familiar with her? Mm-hmm, absolutely. I started reading about her early. And then what happened is I just got interested in what she did. And I said, someday that's what I want to do. I want to help people. So it started really early on. Oh, wow. That's so beautiful to have these teachers in primary school that shaped you and molded you because I often hear the other side. I often hear that someone's year two teacher told them that they weren't smart or that they were stupid or dumb. And then that has affected their entire life. But you had this other experience where you had these teachers that believed in you. And I can only imagine the confidence that that gave you from such a young age. It really did. I mean, it was, it was, it was probably more needed than I realized at the time. But they really helped me believe in myself. It, it changed the way I thought. It changed my expectations. They were already talking to me about things like college. I would never hear that from my parents because my, my parents were, were, were struggling. You know, I've heard your story as well. And, but my parents were just struggling and just living. So I never heard too much about like higher education, but my teachers were constantly putting that in my spirit and in my mind. Mm, that is so beautiful. Oh, how grateful to those teachers, huh? Yeah, I bought one of them, a really big Rolex, the guy. <laughs> yeah, that's really... And are you still in touch with them? I am, yes. I I stay close to my teachers and literally just was with one of them probably three months ago. And also to my sports coaches, I am very close to them because like for you, it was dance and theater and all the things you got involved. Sports was my like savior. Having great coaches, wow, wow, wow. Learning how to play as a team player changed my life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think mentors, coaches, guides, whatever you want to call them, they're so important to have at all stages of our life and for all the different areas in our life. Yeah. So tell me about you know, your first step into this personal development world and, and working with clients. You've worked with some incredible high-profile clients like Kanye West. So how did that happen? Like, how did you get there? I think in life, as you would probably believe, that some things you decide, some things you discover. So, you know, I, I think that decision-making is very, very important about, you know, having the right choices, that you make the right choices. But a lot of my life has been through the discovery side. 
So when I was in seminary, I started to create my own curriculum. I'd never heard of any motivational speakers. I didn't know about life coaches. I was just doing my thing. And I started to create a curriculum and started to teach in the inner cities of the area where I was in school. And while I was there, one time I got discovered by a famous NFL football player. So an American football player who was very, very famous. And he came to see me speak. I was still young. And he basically recruited me to start speaking to a lot of, of the professional football teams all over America. So it was a like a break that I wasn't looking for, but it happened. And a lot of the sports people, as you know, they know entertainers. So he would say, and by the way, I got a friend who's in trouble. His name is, and it began to open up those kind of doors for me. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And something that you work with these high profile people doing is helping them come back from these setbacks. Now, there's no denying that we're going to have what you call a setback. I call them road bumps. And we're going to have these along our journey. And we've all had them. So can you tell us, you know, some amazing stories, maybe from yourself or from some of your clients, where people have turned their tragedy into a triumph and come back from this setback? Well, I think number one is that, as you know, all of us go through these road bumps, as you say. And the thing about the celebrity side is that it's so amplified. Like back in the 70s, maybe there was a few what we would call rag magazines that would just, you know, talk about celebrities and what goes on in their lives. But today there's like probably like 50 different outlets that if Charlie Sheen gets in trouble, I may be talking to him at 12 in the afternoon, but by four in the afternoon, everybody knows about it. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Everything is so amplified. So I find that the curriculum that I created with myself and three psychologists and one psychiatrist that took us about 15 years to create on this whole idea of turning your setbacks to comebacks is that if you, whether you're a plumber, a painter, or a rock star, it's a similar information, but just for different people. I help people through a lot of things in life, but for some reason, I have a real heart for people that are stuck. And I love this song by U2, because I love Bono, but he's, he has this song where he says, you know, you got to get yourself together. You got stuck in a moment and you just can't get out of it. And so many of our friends, as you know, got stuck in a moment and they didn't know how to get out. So how do you help them get out? Well, I think that, um, again, by studying you, I was telling you that I was watching you today, is that I love this, this word that you use about being aware. I use the same thing. You have to become aware. And then once you're aware, you also have to then take inventory and take true inventory of where you are and how you're feeling, how you're doing, who you're living with, who you're not living with. So you become aware you take inventory, and then definitely at that point, you need the right partners in your life because you could be the right person with the right plan, but you definitely have to have the right partners. And that's what I help clients with, whether they're celebrities or not, is to partner with the right people. And I see amazing changes. Amazing. 
What's some of the biggest transformations that you have witnessed? Well, I mean, I think the listeners, they they would know many, many, many of the people that I work with. But I think one person that is comfortable with me telling his story would be Robert Downey Jr. I mean, if you look at Robert, when I first met him in 1999, he was in a bit of a spiral, okay? And when people always come to me and they say, hey, I I heard that you're Robert's life coach. I, I don't ever like to see it that way. I think that me and him are great friends who have amazing conversations. So when we begin to work together and and talk, because of the the place that he was in, not doing so well, he was wanting to live in what I call the land of okay. Like, you know what? I don't think my life's going to be that great anymore, but if I could just somehow be okay. And I think you're familiar with that yourself, right? In dealing with certain people? Yes. Yep. Okay. So he was okay in the land of okay. And one of the things that he tells many people about is that Tim's story refused to let me see life as that just being okay. Because there's three levels of living. There's almost, almost is not quite, sort of, nearly. There's most, which is usually somebody's ceiling for your life on how they think your life should be. And then there's utmost, which is a life without boundaries. So when I look at Robert now, which if one was to Google him, he's made over $80 million alone just this year, to go from being flat, total setback, and it's not just on the monetary side, but to find his life, to find an amazing wife and have children and be vibrant. And now we're working together, helping people who are incarcerated. To me, that's a great comeback story. Mm, beautiful. And have you got one personally from your own experience that you could share? I have about 99. <laughs> <laughs> What's one of your favorites? Well, I think I think one of the favorites is this idea of of being being so, you know, broke and lower income, father's a steel worker, mother works at a donut shop. Father dies in a car accident, goes to get food at night. He goes to go do a good deed for my mother, goes to a green light, which means go. Somebody runs a red light, hits him and and takes his life on accident. And now my mother has to raise five children on her own with a sixth grade education and she doesn't even know how to drive. So to go from that to going to 75 countries of the world and speaking to 85,000 people at one time. That's a, that's a long way from where I came from. Wow. And how old were you when that happened? I was 10 when my father passed. And uh, part of the difficult thing was I'd never heard my mother cry because she's very strong. Mm. And so to hear her cry was a new sound that I did not like. So we never talked about it because she's not that lady that she wanted to talk about it. So, but I heard it, but I would hear it, you know, several nights a week for a period of time. And it was terrible. It was a terrible sound. Mm. And then the story that she tells, she said, when I was only 12 years of age that I said, I said, mom, don't worry about it because we have three, three girls and two boys but I was the youngest. 
I said, when I get in my 20s, you will never have to worry about money. And the reality is, when I got in my 20s, my mother has never had to worry about money ever. And so that was a bit of a drive for me. It wasn't my whole drive, but it was a bit of a drive. Mm, What a beautiful thing that you can gift to her. Yeah, but I think you would do the same, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. We're actually doing it at the moment. This is, yeah, something that we're working on for both of my parents and my husband's parents, yeah. which is something that we've wanted to do. It's been a goal of ours for a few years. So we're loving that we can contribute to them now, which is just awesome. Yeah. And I find I find that when people are, are needing a comeback, that if you can give them a cause that's, that's greater than their own comeback, they seem to tend to want to stick with the comeback plan. So maybe that's a little added thing that Tim Story needed was this idea of taking care of my mom. Mm, absolutely. Having this why but that's bigger than you is really yeah. important because, yeah, it gives you that firecracker, you know, it puts that firecracker in your belly and it just like makes you want to do it so much more. I absolutely agree. with. And that kind of goes for any goal that you want to achieve. If there's a why behind it, a reason behind it, a feeling behind it, then you are more likely going to want to move toward that thing or go after that thing. Yes. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about failure. You always say fail forward. What does that mean? I think, again, what we were taught as kids as being failure was really just like a lesson, right? So I don't really know that at times when people thought we were failing, that we really were failing. I think we were just learning. But if one goes through something like I was married for 12 years to an amazing woman, a college professor, very well-known family in America, and after three years of therapy and a lot of work, we ended up going our different ways and got divorced. That felt like a failure to me because here you have like this life coach that was pretty known at the time. And that was kind of the first time that I'd heard people speak kind of negative about me. And the the idea was, wow, you know, he's telling us all these things, but he can't even keep his own marriage going. So that, that did not feel so good. So in going to an amazing female therapist, and I mean amazing, she's now close to 80 years of age. She really helped me to understand this whole idea of, you know, don't sit in your setback and don't settle. Because what I was tempted to do is settle. And, you know, people would say, are you, are you single or are you married? I'd say, I'm divorced. No, are you single or are you married? No, I'm divorced. So I was, I was carrying the stigma and the label. And she taught me not to carry the stigma or the label. Mm. That even a relationship that did not work, that became well-known amongst the people who knew me and hurt a lot, that um, to see it as not a stigma or a label but as a lesson learned, and I think I've become a much better person since then. 
Oh, totally. Because what you learned from that experience has shaped you to who you are today. So I don't use the word failure. Like I I see everything as an opportunity for growth and learning. And so that I, I love that you were able to turn that around and turn what could have been as deemed as a failure into this beautiful opportunity for growth. And I bet the lessons that you got from that have just shaped you to who you are today. No doubt about it. And that's one reason I told you that I was fascinated with your teaching, because you have to understand that me going to seminary for like seven years, that can shape your mind a little bit. Okay. And so from that, we do talk about failure in that context. And we do talk about forgiveness in a certain context. But I was telling you that I really enjoyed and learned from you and studying you about the way you look at failure, even in the way you look at forgiveness. And I think that one of the things I find is that people are way too hard on themselves. Mm. And really what it is, again, it's just growth. And I, I have a saying that I say that seems some people like it, is that a comeback is not a go-back. A comeback is not a go-back. And what I mean by that is that many times, I think because of what we think is failure, we want to keep going back and trying to fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, when really we should just kind of like stand flat-footed in the moment and learn some life lessons and keep going forward. Mm, absolutely. As long as you get the lesson out of any experience, then that's all that matters. If you don't get the lesson, then it's like, okay, you need to, you might recreate that same situation with a different person if you don't get the lesson. But yeah, like, like we were talking about before we started recording this whole idea of forgiveness, I realized many years ago that by me even saying that I need to forgive someone is a judgment. And, and I'm saying I'm right, they're wrong. And that is my opinion, my perspective, my judgment, and my intention is to live as judgment-free as I possibly can. For many people and for, you know, most of my early 20s, I just, I would wake up in the morning and from the first thing I did in the morning, I was judging myself. Oh, you look tired. You look fat. You look this. You look that. And then as soon as I started my work, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough. And then I'd judge other people walking down the street, you know, constantly judging. And my intention now is to live as judgment-free as I possibly can. But having this, you know, idea that I've got to forgive you because I have labeled you as wrong and me as right, that is a judgment. And so whenever I feel that now, because to that person, they might feel like they're right with right. their with their perspective and with their opinion and with what they've been through and the glasses that they're looking through, they might think they're right. And so who am I to say, well, no, you're wrong and I'm right. And this whole thing just completely shifted my perspective around judgment and around forgiveness. And now I look at things very differently now. Yeah, I think that you just used the word that I wrote down on my little notes here. It's the word shift. Mm. From hearing your story, it seems like, you know, when you when you went through some times in your life and your body was not responding the way it should, and you started to 
in my way of looking at it, you started to renew your mind and renew your spirit and you started thinking different, it created a, a paradigm shift in your, in your life. And from that healthier place, I tell you what, it's, it's hard to be very judgmental when you're coming from a healthy place. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm a, I was fortunate enough to be around positive people from the beginning. I continue to surround myself around great literature, great books, great mentors. And so someone can do something really not so nice to me. You know, like I've had people steal large amounts of money from me that were employees. You have people that really try to take your feet out if you are big enough. And people always say to me, they go, for a guy from the inner city, you sure have become very nice. And yeah, I I was nice then, but I've become nicer the healthier I've become. Mm, Totally. And the more content, more inner peace that you have within yourself, the nicer you become. 100%. I mean, what's what's the reason to war? You know, I, I I love this book. The Art of War, about this whole Chinese philosophy on how to do life. And the whole idea is not to, you know, even have to engage in that type of battle. And I think that there's so many beautiful ways around resistance. You'll never hear me talk about haters, my haters. I I, I never have seen things like that, and I never will. Mm. Yeah. And and speaking of resistance, a few things that hold people back from achieving their dreams or living their best life is resistance and things like resentment and shame and guilt and fear. So how can we let go of those things that are holding us back from living our dream life and, and stepping into our full potential? because they are going to block us from getting there. So how do we let go of them? Because I know there'll, there'll be people listening going, oh, easier said than done. You know, I've had this shame or I've had this guilt for 30 years. How do I let it go and move forward? Okay, so I think that people need to understand we're going through two main things at one time, recovery and discovery. Recovery is recovering from what we've been through. Like we've all had what I call life interruptions, like my father passing when I'm 10 years of age. That's a life interruption. But I know other people that they had asthma when they were little, or they had lupus, or they were molested. And so things happen when they were younger, and they may be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, but they're still going through what I call the recovery zone. It's important to realize that you can go through recovery and still be open to discovery at the same time. Most people do not do that. They're either in the recovery zone or they're way in the discovery zone. And we we both have friends like that. Like the, the person who's, everything is awesome, everything is awesome, but it's not so much like they're really dealing with their stuff. They're just staying so busy that everything does seem awesome. But then we have other people that we know that stay so much in the recovery zone of just trying to heal themselves that they miss the beautiful things that are happening today. Mm. And that's where presence comes in, doesn't it? 100%. So in order to find healing in this recovery zone, we need to isolate the problem. 
So let's say if you're a man and your father was too strong with you your entire life, and now you become like a bully businessman, which is a lot of people I know in the city I live in, <laughs> that, you know, let's isolate the problem. The problem is that your father was bullying you and now you're bullying other people. So in that recovery zone, there's definitely a lot of work. And that's what I get from your story. And that's what I get from my story is I had to go deep, 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 and even deeper. And it didn't always feel good, but I wanted to be okay. Mm. And what's the alternative is suffering and that stinks. The alternative is if you don't do something with life, life will do something with you. One of the things that I do, like in America, because I think you're living on Australia, is that correct? I'm in Australia, yep. So in America, as you probably know, we do these high school reunions and they happen every 10 years. I attend them. And here's what I found. After the first 10-year reunion, you know, people have a badge and it says their name. And you say, oh, that still looks like Tommy or whatever the person's name is. <laughs> the 20-year reunion, I got to tell you the truth, I was kind of guessing. Like, wow. that's him, but I, I can't really see it in his eyes, but I think it's him. The 30, the 30, there was a lot of distance, and that's not good. We should shine brighter and brighter. That's what I plan on doing. Oh, hell yeah. Me too. Yeah. So coming back to presence, I feel like in today's society, there are so many things that pull us out of the present moment. The, you know, one of the biggest ones being technology, our phones and computers and social media. So we know how important being in the present moment is. How do you stay in the present moment? Like, what do you do? Do you meditate? Like, what are some tips and tricks that you have for people listening that are struggling to be in the now? So you, you've heard it said before, and none of us know who came up with it, but this idea of we become a society of human doings rather than human beings. Mm. So I do believe that's true. And I think that a lot of people think that being on their grind, whatever that is, that that is the way to live and that because it works for them, it should work for everybody. But I believe that it's so important to be fully present, fully feeling, and fully alive. So I believe that I am living in the moment that I prayed for years ago. So I want to be fully present, fully feeling, and fully alive in this doggone moment. Because there was a price that's been paid for me to be in this moment talking to you right now. Mm. And do you, do you meditate? Like, do you do any other things that really help I cultivate do. that presence? Yeah. So, so for me, because of my biblical background, I, I like to go into like the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and I, I read the wisdom books. I'll read something every morning and then I'll meditate on those thoughts. And then I move into like a time of gratitude that has nothing to do with what I just read, just about being thankful. And then I just go into a time of peace. And at that time, it's a time of listening. And I feel like if we would just stop, look, and listen, it's so amazing how the answer lies within more times than not. 
And so I am very much a person that's in the present. And that's what blows people away because they may see me speak on stage and I may like be moving around quite a bit on stage, but having to do with my personal life, I'm very chill. I don't answer every call. I don't care who's calling because if I'm just like in the moment where I need to rest or I'm talking to my mother or talking to somebody that is eating lunch with me, I don't answer the phone. So I, I'm, I'm a practicer of being in the power of now. Mm, beautiful. And I love that. I just wrote that down. Stop, look, and listen. Yes. So important. Stop, look, and listen. And just be with whatever is in front of you. And I'm the same. Like if I'm with someone, there's no way I'm on my phone. Like I am with you. I am all there with you. And my phone is always on silent. It's majority of the time it's on airplane mode. And I just want to be with whoever it is that I'm sitting in front of and and experience that moment in its fullest capacity. Otherwise, we miss it and then it's gone and we never get it back again. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's it's easier said when when a lot of people are not looking for you. But in, in the place of life of where you are and I am, there's a lot of people looking for us because of part of it is what we do. We help people. So someone's always hurting somewhere. And so, you know, I get so many calls a day. I will not say the number because it's a lot. And I don't even give my number out that much. So it's amazing how many calls a day I get. So I have people looking for me on the urgent, on the urgent side every hour of my life. And I mean every hour. I'm not, there's no exaggeration because I'm, I'm working with people all over the world. And I, I was laughing to myself the other day because this one guy, he, he kept texting me because he's used to getting what he wants. And he said, his last text was, really, Tim? You can't even give me five minutes. And when I finally called him, because I had been, I was working with people. When I called him, I said, I said, come on, man, we've known each other 25 years. I said, if I thought it was that bad, I would have. I would have called you quicker, but what is it? He goes, I needed to tell you about something exciting in my life. <laughs> but you know what? Don't you think it could have waited two hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. So funny. Stop, look, and listen. Stop, look, and listen. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to write that on a post-it note and stick it somewhere where I can see it. So thank you for that reminder. Now, I want to talk a little bit about passion and purpose and and doing work of meaning that lights us up because you talk a lot about a good idea versus a god idea now can you tell us what the difference is and what you mean by that and how do we know when we're on the right path okay so number 1 it's constant in my life where people say to me whether at airports restaurants a movie theater hey tim story how do I get my passion back? How do I get my mojo back? How do I get back in sync? Okay. So I believe that purpose brings passion. So I don't think you should search for passion. I think purpose brings passion. Yeah, totally. So the fact that you love what you do, your purpose has brought your passion. Cause I got to see some interviews of you prior to even your first book and you were already talking about. In a year, my book's coming out. You can see it in your eyes, okay? 
So the purpose of the new book coming out even a year later, the purpose brought passion. So in my life, my purpose of number one, I'm an artist. So I love, I love anything art. So I'm a creator. I work on TV shows. I work on movies. I'm doing a gigantic play, a Broadway play. So I'm an artist. So my, my, my purpose brings my passion. So I'm not trying to like stir myself up to get myself going. My purpose is my passion. Okay. So good idea, God idea. Here's, I think this is so simple. So, and, and I don't say this just to just say it because it's this lady's name, but this is my great friend. So I'm sitting in the backyard with Oprah Winfrey at her house. Just, we're just going at it as two friends. And she says, I love this thing that you say that you do not believe in chasing your dreams, but you believe in cooperating with what the universe has already said. Mm. So I will tell you something about me. I chase nothing, nothing. I talked to somebody that does very well today. He says, Tim, I can change your life. And I just started laughing. (laughs) I chase nothing. But you still show up. I show up. I'm not chasing it. I'm cooperating. Yeah, you're showing up. You're still still there. You're not like just sitting back, twiddling your thumbs, doing nothing. No, what we're doing is, okay, so I'm going to tell you what to do in that moment, okay? So here's what happens. So the purpose creates the passion. I believe that the universe has spoken over us and we have to cooperate. Okay, cooperate is what? Showing up. I have to work what's in front of me. I got to show up. I got to plow the ground. I got to plant the seed. I got to water the seed and I got to reap the harvest. So every day I'm plowing, planting, watering, harvesting, plowing, planting, watering, harvesting. I am constantly like, I only know so much about Broadway plays. I just know people who know how to get them done. So when I started getting into that world, I have to plow, 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 plant, 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 water, water, water. And then hopefully someday I'll I'll harvest something really wonderful. Mm, I love that. Yes. You're plowing in the ground. Yep. Harvest if you're a farmer. And maybe you were a farmer. I don't know. But you got (laughs) to plow the ground, plant the right seed, water the seed every day. That's what we're all doing in nutrition and exercise and going to the gym when I don't feel like it. So that's plowing, planting, watering, watering, watering. And then people say to us, oh my gosh, it's so wild that all of a sudden this came out of nowhere. It really did not come out of nowhere. I was plowing, planting, watering, and payday was on its way. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. That's really beautiful. It's another one I've just written down. I'm going to take that one. It's awesome. So what do you attribute your success to? I mean, we all have a different definition of success. And for you personally, like, what do you attribute it to? The plowing, the planting, the watering, and the harvesting? No doubt about it. And so that's one thing that my mother taught me is don't do a halfway job. So I don't do a halfway job in anything. In anything. I show up early everywhere I go. So my mother put that in me. So if I was a dishwasher, I want to be a really good dishwasher. I was 15 and a half and I talked Mr. Anderson into giving me a job, 
even though I had to be 16. So at 15 and a half, I was a dishwasher and I didn't take it lightly. Then I went to a busboy cleaning the tables. I take nothing lightly. So my mother taught me the power of discipline. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm similar to you. I remember hearing that in one of your interviews where you said you showed up. You always show up early and I'm always 5 minutes early and always on time and and I think that's such a beautiful quality to have. It shows that you respect yourself and you respect other people's time. And another thing that my husband has always said and I have a 13-year-old stepson and he always has said this to Leo is do it once, do it well. And that's his little motto, do it once, do it well, and show up, be all there. If you're going to wash the car, just do it once and do it well. Don't complain about it, just do it and be all there. And, you know, he'll sometimes say that to me whenever I'm like, you know, I don't want to do that. Or he'll be like, just do it once, babe, and do it well. And I'm like, yep, you're right. Be all there, wash those dishes or write that book or whatever it is and just do it with your whole heart. And you see how that's serving well for his life because- in studying you, then I got to study you guys as a couple. And and just let me just say this, as a person who's in a similar field, it's such a great example to see you guys out there doing some things together. Because I think sometimes even couples feel like I, they just have to just go do their own thing and they're like way off in different locations. And I love the synergy that I see between you guys. But to do it once, do it well, I mean, he obviously got that into a system and it's working for him. Yeah, definitely. And he is, you know, we always joke amongst our family and our friends that everything Nick touches turns to gold because he pours his whole heart and soul into everything he does. And it's such a beautiful quality to have. There's nothing lazy about him. He just, he's all there, whatever he's doing. So it's a beautiful quality to have. Yeah. So the question you said was, what almost, you know, got me to where I am? I think, I think one is discipline, but the other, again, I I can't say enough about my mentors. I mean, how fortunate have I been to have some of the top people in the world, and I won't even say their names, who found interest in me as a, as a young guy from the inner city and began to believe in me and pour in me and open doors for me. The doors that get opened for me are pretty mind-boggling. And once again, I'm not looking for them. I got a great call yesterday that would blow a lot of people away. I wasn't looking for that call. It was like, hey, wow, we know you can do this. And I think you would love doing this project. And so I'm very thankful to the mentors in my life that have helped to show me the way. Beautiful. So important. What's something that you're working on within yourself at the moment? I'm working on my body being older than it was. So I was the boy wonder. So I was 20 speaking with 40-year-olds. <laughs> I was 27 speaking with 50-year-olds. Now I'm mid-50s, and once in a while, it feels like it. It never used, I never used to feel any form of age. I just, I just didn't. I could get a throat infection and an ear infection and still fly to Sydney. <laughs> 
and speak to a lot of people and it wouldn't hardly affect me. So at this stage of my life, I'm really hearing my body talking to me and saying, nurture me, take care of me different. Even though I eat, I think pretty well, I just talked to a nutritionist on the phone 20 minutes before getting on this uh, interview. I've really dove in pretty deep, but I'm going deeper. I, I want to go the long haul and I want to be vibrant. Mm, beautiful. So that's, that's a lot of where I'm at right now. Beautiful. And, and I've been fortunate to, to, you know, I'm an athlete. I work out five days a week. So it's not all about just that, but it's internally feeling good, you know? Oh, totally. Absolutely. It's that vibrancy. It's that vitality, that spring in your step. You know, we all deserve that and we want that till the last day that we have here, whenever that is. And we don't know how long that is for. We don't know. We have no idea. So having that vitality and that strength and that health all the way to the very end, that is so important. Yeah. Like look at Look at Sting, just for fun, soon. Look at Sting, you know, the singer? Yes. That guy looks amazing. He's almost 70. <laughs> now, now that, yep. that's a great example. Yeah. You know, so so that, that kind of stuff fires me up. So it's funny, like, people will say, like, hey, what projects are you excited about? And I got some really cool projects. I got, like, two really big movie projects. I've got two TV shows I'm doing right now and, you know, a lot of fun things. But isn't it interesting that my answer is like, hey, Tim, what are you working on? Myself. Mm. <laughs> I want to wake up in the morning and, and I don't want my body to go, ow. <laughs> mm. Well, that's the best project there is to work on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's pretend that you have a magic wand now and you can put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Besides your books, let's pretend that they're already in the curriculum because they absolutely should be. Which book would you choose? Okay, number one, I've never been asked that question. I love it. And I'm going to give you the answer. It's called Long Walk to Freedom. It's the autobiography of Nelson Mandela. My husband is reading that right now. It'll change you forever. Yeah. And I'm looking at mine in front of me, signed by Nelson Mandela. What? Yeah. That's amazing. Mandela loved himself some Tim Story. Oh, that's amazing. He came to see me on several occasions because I do a lot in South Africa. And it's not just because of the connection that way of a man that was incarcerated for over 25 years and would not allow anyone to take the dream that was within him. A long walk to freedom, the autobiography of Nelson Mandela. And how wild is that that your husband is reading that right now? I know. That is crazy. He's obsessed with it. We've seen the movie and that was amazing. But yeah, he just wanted to read the book and he's just, he can't put it down. He loves it. Yeah, so it's a, it's a book of hope. It's a book of dreams. It's a book of love. It's a book of compassion. It's a book of honesty. And 
Wow. I, I mean, I keep, I keep this thing in my office and stare at it every time I'm in, in my office just because it gives me a little bit of a, a jolt to see what this man did. Mm. Yeah, it's perspective. You know, you you look at that and you're like, wow, like what he went through is yeah. just and the patient. mind. Oh, yeah. The patience. Yeah. Incredible man. So I absolutely agree. I think that that should be in the school curriculum and we'll link to that in the show notes as well as your amazing books. We'll link to them in the show notes as well. But I'd love to talk now about how your day looks. Do you have a morning routine? Like how do you set yourself up for the day and prime yourself for the day? Okay. So I I wake up, I would say 90% of the time happy, even if things happen that were sad around me, because I'm in the space where I work in addiction. Okay. I work in addiction. I work in recovery. I work in setbacks to comebacks. When you work in that space, there's some things that go down maybe that day that are not so great. Does that make sense? Mm, totally. So I find myself still waking up probably 90% of the time to happen. I, then what I do is I go through, you know, the things of, you know, washing my face, brushing my teeth, all these things. And then I get hot tea and then I do my devotional of studying these things from the wisdom books. And then I go into my time of the meditation. So I feel my mind, I feel my spirit. I go into a place of peace. And some people would do it opposite, but this is the way I do it. Then I go to the gym. And the gym to me has been a really great thing because I'm not going there just to get in shape. I'm going there for the feeling. I like the feeling. I like the feeling of pushing myself a little bit. I love it when the endorphins start to kick in. And you know this even more than I do because you were a dancer and I was not. But the endorphins and just the movement, okay? I come back and shower and then I have a lot of jobs. So I, I run companies. I'm in the entertainment business. We do a lot in the speaking world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I learned from many people who have many jobs is keep that certain job in its lane. Like for instance, on Mondays, I may work on my motivational career. On Tuesdays, I'm working just on entertainment things. On Wednesdays and Thursdays, I'm working just on life coaching. So I'm pretty organized on not letting things from one lane get into another lane. And I learned that from certain mentors of mine who also have various careers. Yeah, that's a great tip. I love that. It's really, really powerful. And my husband, he does something because he is a musician and also an entrepreneur. For him, he spends the first few hours of the day, like the first half of the day in his music lane. And then the second half of the day is his entrepreneurial business hat lane. And that works really well for him. And same for me, you know, I spend the first half of my day creating, writing books, writing programs, things like that, or even podcasting. And then the second half of the day, it's more working on the business and that sort of thing. And that really works for me. Yes. Can I throw something in here? Yeah, go for it. I have this message that I call just around the corner. And I talk about that every day we go around a corner 
A corner is a bend or a curve. Some are familiar corners, like what we're talking about, the routine, but some are unfamiliar. And one of the things I love about life is that just around the corner, something amazing can happen that you weren't even looking for. Mm. And it's like these life surprises. And from hearing your story, you get them and you continue to get them. And I think that, you know, I have my routine, but what I love is these life surprises that come, whether it be a call or an email from someone I didn't expect or Tim, will you be in this project or whatever it is? There's a lot of really neat life surprises that can come just around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. That's the exciting part. You never know what's just around the corner. Alrighty, I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So what's one thing that we can do today for our health? Just one thing. Renew your mind. Change your mindset into a miracle mindset rather than just a mundane mindset. And the mundane would be sitting around listening to the news all day or talking to people that are not saying positive things. The miracle mindset is something extraordinary. And so read a book, listen to your podcast, and meditate on something that is miraculous and watch your mind get set. Mind set. It's where you're mind is set. Yes. Love that tip. Thank you so much. Now, what's one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all of the areas of our life. Discover your purpose. Discover your purpose. This thing we talked about earlier, stop, look, and listen. When you discover your purpose, as you have, as your husband has with music, as I have, in helping people go from setbacks to comebacks. I think as you do your purpose, it's amazing how the wealth comes. The wealth of mind, the wealth of joy, the wealth of peace, the wealth of friendships, and many times the wealth of finances. Yeah, beautiful. And the last one is, what can we do for more love in our life? I think the thing we can do for more love in our lives is to be willing to accept it. What I find from even a lot of parents is that they have children and they get so occupied with, you know, providing for their children, guiding them, guarding them, governing them, loving them, that they don't take time to love themselves and even many times love each other. And it's got to be even more than like a date night where you just do it because it's Tuesday night. And you have to be open to the gift of love, which took me a long time to get to because I wanted to be the one that gave the love. I wasn't so great at receiving it. But I would say the last 10 years of my life that I am very open to the knock on the door and the person that has love is there and I open the door. Be open to open the door of love. 
I love that. I like to think of love as like that infinite sign, you know, the figure of eight infinite sign. It's like you've got to be open to receiving it and you've got to give it and you've got to be open to receiving it and you've got to give it and you've got like, and it just goes, it goes around and around and around and around. Like there can't be any holes in that infinite sign. Otherwise, you know, and, and that it's so important. Like you've got to be so willing and giving and you've also got to be so open to receiving. That's the answer. Love it. Now, Tim, is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that I didn't ask you about that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I just think the last thing I want to say is that everybody is important and the key is to do your assignment. And what Melissa is doing is her assignment and this is her purpose. And I'm doing my my purpose, but to be somebody who's building freeways. And at that point, if that's your purpose and your assignment and you're taking care of your children and that's your purpose and that's your assignment, then you're wonderful. If you're a single mother and that's your life's purpose and assignment, you're wonderful too. And I think that so many times that we look to the left or to the right and we see somebody that has something that looks shinier and we think maybe they're doing better. But I think just to realize that you're doing your purpose and your assignment and you are adding value to the world as well. Absolutely. And it it comes back to staying in our own lane and not wow. comparing ourselves to anyone else. You know, your purpose and your mission is unique to you. And we can get inspired by other people. We can get inspired by Tim or inspired by all these amazing teachers out there. But ultimately, whatever is true for you is what you have to do. And you have to move forward with that and stay in your own lane and, you know, put those little horse blinkers on your eyes and not look left and right and compare yourself to other people. We've got to stay in our own lane. Wonderful. And that's how we will feel fulfilled. I love that. Love it. Now, another thing that I am really passionate about is being of service to others. And I, like you, I, I love to help people. I love it when people want want help from me. I love that so much. So I'm a big believer in service and being of service to others in the world. So I want to know, what can we do, myself and our incredible listeners, what can we do to serve you today? You serve so many people. How can we serve you? I've never been asked this question on a podcast. This is very, very good. I think because I do believe in the power of prayer and the the power of just even positive thoughts, just send out good vibes towards me because I feel that the assignments that, that life has given me, like we're doing some really nice things, I said, with prison reform. We do a lot with the homeless nationwide. I'm also with a group called CAST, C-A-S-T, where we're helping with the challenge with um, human trafficking. Send good vibes my way because I think I'll feel them. And I really do believe that. There's there's days that in the middle of the day, it's, it's, it's strange. I feel like, man, I feel like a host of people are praying for me. So I, I believe in that. Yeah. We can absolutely do that. Actually, we're going to do it right now. So if you're not driving and you are in a place where you can close your eyes for a minute 
I would love everybody to take a deep breath in through their nose and take a deep breath out. And I want everyone to just send so much love to Tim. Go for it. Open that big, beautiful heart. Send that love. Visualize that love pouring out of your heart and all the way to Tim. Send that love to him. Keep sending it. And you can smile whilst you're doing it because it feels good. And take a deep breath in. And exhale. And you can open your eyes. I hope you felt that, Tim. I did, and I forget that you have a background in studying meditation. (laughs) (laughs) I do, and I absolutely love it so much. It's so good. And I just wanted to thank you so much for not only your time today, but for all the incredible work that you're doing in the world with your one-on-one coaching, with your programs, your speaking, your books, everything that you're doing, all of the love that you're sharing with the world, all of the light that you're pouring out. We are so grateful. And thank you again so much for just being you and sharing your love and light. Thank you. And what a privilege to be on your show. And I look forward to seeing you and your husband soon. Thank you so much. Me too. That was awesome. I really enjoyed that conversation. He is such a beautiful human being. And actually, before we even began recording, I really got to feel how genuine he was and how much time he had for me, which was just so beautiful to feel and to receive. He just was so loving and gave me so many compliments and just took the time to really connect with me first before we started recording, which I just think is such a gift and such a beautiful thing. So I absolutely loved this episode and I love this man. And I hope you guys got so much out of it because I sure did. And if you did, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week. So go and leave that review right now and you could be the review of the week. We'll see. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading them. Honestly, it makes my day. So please share your key learnings. And it also helps you implement what you have just heard. So go and do that right now. I'd be so grateful. And for everything that Tim and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 225. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You seriously rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this particular episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. They will be so grateful to you. You can take a screenshot, you can share it on your social media, you can email it to them, you can text it to them. You can do whatever you want. 
Just do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. <laughs>